What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Welcome back to part two of our recent April Insider Call with special guest Penny Pierce. I hope you enjoy the second part of this riveting Q&A with Penny. I just love her take on everything from finding your home frequency to navigating these wild times that we're in with curiosity and courage. As a reminder, you can join us next month for our Q&A at pivotmethod.com slash insider. And make sure you're also subscribed to my weekly-ish curated roundup of the best of the web, Pivot List. You can learn more and join us at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Now on to part two. Patrick's question is, with all the extra time spent on computers and phones, both by me and everyone around me, I'm finding a shift in my energy that isn't always comfortable. I'm wondering, Penny, if you might be willing to share some tips on good vibrational hygiene. Thank you. And we love that word, Patrick, vibrational hygiene. hygiene. (laughs) Penny and I even said, why don't we come to this call 10 minutes early? And Penny said, yeah, we'll take care of our our vibrational hygiene. Check in. (laughs) Well, I mean, it comes back to the same thing we were talking about. You can match frequencies uh, in, through the, the camera, too. You know, we're, like we're reading each other. We can read each other, you know, just from not just our face, but somehow the whole energy gets through. You know, Andre, even you've got your picture up there, but your energy is coming through the picture anyway. Um, so I think part of it is notice what you're noticing. Stay really conscious read the vibrations, use them, be conscious of what's happening. Um, And then, you know, give yourself time to get out and walk or get outside or breathe or get with the trees or the plants or something where they're not talking. (laughs) Because remember, you know, the left brain is all about language. And it's, we're in that, you know, we're talking, talking, talking to each other or into our own heads. Uh, and um, so much. So if, if you're going to try to access your right brain and the intuition and the field and that communion experience where the genius comes from, you've got to be silent and get very still. And then you get to this thing, it's almost like you stop time. Like you just stop time. And in that space, there's tons of stuff in there that you you might like or need. And whatever you need will sort of just drop in then. And it's not coming from the past or from somebody else's reality. It's what's just right for you. And it's usually very simple, you know. But I'd say make time in between meetings or in between screen things, you know, to get away from the electrical stuff and out into, you know, where your energy can be absorbed and expand really out three-dimensionally, 360 degrees, down into the earth, up into the sky, into the tree, and, and, you know, feel 
that. So it's like shifting modes in your brain. And I think when you do that, it changes your energy. You know, we don't run out of energy. We start thinking about other people or projecting, and then we can't feel what the energy we do have. As soon as the mind goes away and goes somewhere else, you forget to sense and feel what is coming out of you. Uh, so, But energy modulates throughout the day. You can be really excited and um, enthusiastic about something, and then you're finished with the task, and you're kind of blank out a little, and you go into that liminal space, and you, ah, you know, and now you connect again with the big thing. And then that comes back in again, and you start a new cycle of creativity in action. And that's a rocking that we have, if you'll notice, the cycles of that all day long. And that's kind of soothing, you know. So um, what you want to do is not feel like you're stuck in any one state because every state turns. It doesn't go to the end and turn and go backwards. It goes in a circle like a figure eight. And you stay in the turn and just stay. And then now you're in the next phase and nothing, you never stopped. You never lost your energy because you were in the flow, and the flow is the energy. Anybody else want more detail or clarification on well, any of that? I, I wonder if you could speak to, and then we'll throw it over to Wade, if you could speak to vibrational hygiene when the vibration is so insane right now. So what I'm finding is I get to the end of my day and I'm extra wiped out, and I'm noticing it's taking just a lot more um, but maybe, I don't know, that could be me resisting the flow somehow or saying yes to too many things as well. I wonder if you're noticing. When you say of, insane, what what do you mean? Oh, Th- that you're feeling the larger consciousness of yeah, fear or just um, around all you? Of and- all of it. Processing what's going on, processing so much change, processing what's in the collective, walking outside, seeing everyone in masks. It's like my gut Mm-hmm. drops a little bit. I, I feel like I'm living in a movie, some dystopia where I can't see anyone's faces. I just see their eyes. <laughs> it's it's scary. It's weird because the only visual I have, the only visual reference for this has been scary movies where everyone's oh. in a mask <laughs> and everyone's spread out and the dog park is locked. And um, so I don't know. It just feels like day-to-day life and even all the changes in the, on the professional front and people are going through so much personally as well of having to adapt in this time. And it just feels like the vibrational hygiene, there's, we're all building an extra muscle right now just to get to our home frequency with all of this going on. Yeah. Um, well, on, on the one hand, you know, I don't know how it is in New York, but here in Florida, it's like the streets are empty. The stores are hardly anybody. The beaches were closed. It's like when you feel out through space, it's so open. <laughs> it's actually so peaceful that you know and the people are in their homes but there's this this feeling that there's a spaciousness and i'm really relating to that spaciousness right now um i almost feel like my whole aura has cleared out of of everything almost um and and of anxiety even you know like i get a little twinge of anxiety and then it, in a minute or so, it kind of like flattens and goes away. Um, so, and then the other thing that I just thought of is like, because I was just doing a course on dreams for this group and, you know, it's 24-hour consciousness. You know, the waking reality is a dream too. It's in, in a certain frequency, but 
as collectives of souls, we're dreaming this reality also. You know, so people going around in masks, you know, it's just entertaining in a certain way. You know, you can look at it as, as wow, look what happened to reality, you know. <laughs> and, and, and don't take it as a fear choice, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, it does feel like you talk about self-entertainment. That's right, self-entertainment. It is right, a collective movie that we're living. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, the other thing that I noticed about this time is that it's what, what also is clearing is my attachment to my identity. And that's, I mean, I've had layers of that before, like tell the story of my, how I came to be what I am. And I go, well, I've told that litany how many times? <laughs> is that what I am? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, I'll tell it again, but uh, I don't care about it. Um, but the other night I had a dream that I was, I had been in some accident or somebody beat me up or something. My face was all wrecked and I went in for surgery and it's like plastic surgery and they sort of fixed me, but it still looked really awful. So they sent me in again for more plastic surgery. And then I came out and I was a young Japanese woman, <laughs> about 36 years old with little black hair and a little short swingy black haircut. And I was still me. And I went over the mirror and I looked at myself and I went, I want my penny self back. <laughs> you know, like I did not want to look different. I created this for this lifetime because I want to use it. But so I started thinking, what does that dream mean? You know, um, and I'm thinking, you know, my attachment to my identity that I created um, needs to loosen up. I'm sure we have other parallel lives working, walking around too, you know, it woke me up actually in the middle of the night, you know, like I've lost my penny self. Fascinating. And then how, yeah. how the metaphor of masks as well. Yeah. Like taking off the masks and now everyone, we put the mask on. So it's, what's our relationship? What are the masks that we wear? Right. Uh, in this world. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone else have a question? Anyone want to go next? Hi, Hi, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. One really big thing I think for me, I guess right now is like the physical, the lack of phys- like physicality, right? Um, and the lack of space. I guess this is like a really big change that everybody's dealing with. And also like kind of on along the same lines of identity, I imagine a lot of people feel this way. We have some sort of a system and we've kind of like wrapped our identity around like this is what I do this is how I do it you know I work out three times a day and I'm really good at my job when I do that and I don't know like fizzling out so yeah well you know I think maybe some of these attachments to these definitions of identity it's just that it's attachments and then they've gotten locked in as some kind of you know rule and uh, we need to loosen up the attachment and then look at working out three times a whatever day that you do it, um, but as a joyful activity that has nothing to do with anything else except that you really like doing it, you know, um, and, and reinvent a lot of the things that you have been doing to see if they do bring you that self-entertainment value. Because I always say to Jenny, you know, it's a self-entertainment, entertainment's a very high state. It is close to your home frequency. And uh, it's very much about the soul. When you say lack of space, physical, I mean, I think you can have that. You can go outside. You can have some space. You can have inner space. You can have some outer space, you know. Um, It just depends what you really feel like doing, I think. 
you know, it's a little bit, of course, restricted because of the, the people thing, but space is there. I'm not sure what you're saying. You want to define it a little more for me? I think by space, I mean, maybe like place, like we're no, we're confined to one. I think this goes back to like a lot of um, like the frequency, maybe like from a lot of technology. Right. And we're not like, we're not in physical space. So there's a lot of, for instance, I feel like my brain and my eyes are taking, you know, like it's kind of taking a toll on that part of my like senses. Right. And I don't have like, spaces to do other things you know what I mean mm-hmm. so choose to do some other things like cook or make sculptures out of clay or you know make earrings or whatever you feel do, do something that's more right-brained and physical in terms of creativity or uh, do some kind of physical act- physical activity like tai chi or some- or just hand dancing or you know just whatever you feel like that you can do in the space that you have this that feels cool and neat to you. I also you know? think I see how it's been so challenging for Michael. Like jujitsu inherently involves other people right. and certain group classes, there is so much, you know, Kelly McGonigal was just on the podcast talking about collective joy and how much joy we get from the community and the group fitness and mm-hmm. the energy in the room. And I know we were just talking in the kitchen, Michael and I, we're going to do another household edition of the podcast at some point, but of like how challenging it is to, to have all your routines, they're humming along and then poof, they're gone. And just to reinvent in that moment and Right. Like Penny's saying, it is this interesting opportunity to unhook, but it's like, it can feel so unmooring, I think, uh, in the moment. Yeah. You're like this whole way that I used to structure my day and I felt good about it and it was working and now it's gone. Right. <laughs> so I know. It's, it, it's also kind of an opportunity to follow the the small increments of the flow. You know, do I want to do some work right now, uh, you know, on this project or... Um, why don't I give myself an hour? I, I just found myself getting gravitating to all my old cookbooks that my mother had given me years ago and in her handwriting and like looking at these old things and like I never use recipes, but I started reading all that, you know, and thinking, hmm, where does balsamic vinegar come from? You know, like, <laughs> and you don't know what's going to pop into your head as something that you might feel like doing that's totally not related to work at all. It just um, it, um, involves your attention into something that feeds you in a certain way, you know. And you have to wait and kind of see where you wander and what activities you wander into. I think if I can just chime in real quick for a yeah. second. You know, it's funny. I actually totally get where Juliana is coming from because, like, mm-hmm. I work out a lot. And there's an endorphin rush that you get addicted to that almost covers up the pain of your daily life. So what I think has been interesting with this coronavirus is that this endorphin rush of constantly being able to go to the gym to sort of like self-medicate any sort of pains, you're kind of forced to be detached from it. And actually, it's a really good lesson. But I mean, think about how often we're all so distracted. And when all those distractions get completely removed, you're right. You have to kind of settle into this like completely new reality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's that liminal space we were talking about. You know, it's that 
that sort of in between time when you let go, but you're not trying to make yourself jump to the new activity yet. You're letting yourself have this imaginal realm time or things that aren't defined as significant and just really um, allowing yourself to noodle around a bit, but also to be quiet enough that you start to feel some of your scratchy edges or something, you know, the things that aren't all that comfortable. And then maybe have a look at that or write about it. Put a little attention onto that inner reality. Because really what I think is happening right now is that the non-physical inner reality and the physical so-called outer reality are actually the same reality. They're, they're, they contain each other. You know, they're interconnected. So whatever's happening in the outer world is also happening simultaneously in your inner world, meaning you know, your inner world is the realm of thought and feeling and experiential stuff. The outer world is more about form and definition and events. So if you have this event of the coronavirus, there is a matching, correlating inner reality. I call that your inner energy blueprint, you know, that has to do with, you know, the inner qualities of that, that epidemic. That's what I was writing about. Why is the coronavirus like ego? You know, it's really similar. You know, are we looking at um, um, how much ego we still have? Are we looking at how isolated we are from each other truly? Or are we actually connected? So uh, there's a lot of inner messages here in, in what's happening in the world, even with finance. You know, it's like it causes us to reexamine what money is to us and how it comes and goes and flows and how we're provided for. Are we thinking we're all alone doing it all by ourselves, or is the collective working with us to help us do the things we need to be doing? You know, so I think there's a lot of reexamination of pretty deep issues going on. Great. Let's go to Steve next, and then Theo. Hi, gang. Sorry, Hi. I came in super late to this. I was just running a webinar of my own. and um, <laughs> Steve has featured on the Pivot Podcast under beautiful questions, by the way. So okay. welcome, Steve. Yeah. We've oh, gotten wonderful. great feedback on that one. Yeah. We have. We have. And actually, somebody on the, I had about 100 people in the webinar, and somebody on the webinar had listened to it and wanted me to talk about beautiful questions, but it wasn't really on topic for them. So I came in late, and I came in when we were talking about identity, persona, and mask. And I think it's really interesting. And part of what I was talking about in my webinar is it feels to me this inward process that we're going through in processing. It actually is an invitation for identity evolution or the evolution of identity. Because we're forced to see deeper, maybe even shadowy parts to ourselves that maybe, as I've just heard, we've been sort of, you know, putting off on the back burner for a little while or avoiding or not looking in the eye, the shadow self and maybe the blind spots of the quiet time that we have. And so it's less of a question and more of an offering for the group, like, because I'm curious how people are processing that during this time. And uh, Penny and Jenny, I would love to hear your perspective on how you're experiencing perhaps your own individual evolution and your, and, and including how you see yourself and how then you see yourself as it 
can be an offering to the world, either personally or professionally. I'd like to hear that from you, though, first, actually. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, what a great <laughs> question. Let's hear from you, spot. Steve. Yeah, I, it's very interesting. So, Jenny, I don't remember if we talked about this. I tend to cope by serving. And in, wow. there's some very, very healthy things about that, and there's some very unhealthy things about that. Um, so part of it is that, like, I do more writing. I do more webinars. I do more podcasts. And in the creation process of those things, I am serving other people. And in that serving, I find out which part of myself shows up in these courageous times. And so, and as I go back and forth, and so creation and reflection, creation and reflection, I'm actually learning deeper, more courageous parts to me that is inviting me to call more core parts of myself forward. And it has to do with challenging myself on who I believe I am and ignoring the cynics and the critics that exist out there that, you know, are trying to define, well, here's your current reality. Here's who I think you should be, whatever. Right. So I think I'm discovering deeper, more, soulful artistic sides to myself that show up both in the artistic world, but also as a business artist. Mm -hmm. And it's also worth saying, and Jenny knows this, that I'm in the middle of a book called The Beautiful Business, which is all about mining and harvesting the belief systems, the deeply held belief systems of leaders, and how a business leader can be an artist to create an entity that moves people forward and creates a more beautiful reality based on the Japanese principles of beauty. Mm -hmm. But even in this process, I'm finding a more courageous part of me coming forward. And I just, I, I, it's a little bit terrifying and it's a, it's a, it's a lot invigorating at the same time. Right. I love that. I, I think that's a, a real hidden gift or, you know, that out of this is that I remember like at the beginning of the year, almost like January 1st, I had this incredibly strong feeling that my scope was going to jump up a level. And I was really, and I was so excited about the year. There was going to be this big year of expansion and growth and everything. And, um, but I couldn't tell what that jump in scope would look like or be like I was thinking. Oh, I'm going to travel more and do more speaking around the world, or blah blah blah. You know, and um, and then I got all these invitations to do that, and of course they all canceled because when the virus came in, it's just like Jenny's, and um, and instead there has been a um, a very odd clearing of not so much consciously of clearing fears but of this sense that there's nothing around me in my aura. Like I am like up on top of a mountain in alpine air and there's just, it's blowing through. There's nothing in the way. And that's why I feel like, and that's that spaciousness feels like it's just going out and out and including everybody, everything, you know? Um, and I've, I feel like the whole, Corona thing or whatever this is all about is already over. Like I'm, I'm out of it already. And, and what, and the people who came through it are like, I I said, this is like, we've been in a long underwater dive and we're just surfacing out like a dolphin, you know, and then all this stuff's been washed off of us, the sticky stuff, this, 
whatever was in the way. And we're like, you know, really clear. I don't know. I just feel like it's still the same excitement I had in the beginning of the year. But the whole, this whole thing is part of that excitement. Like, it's so odd that I'm thinking of it as, as exciting, but because um, people are dying. But I also had a vision that the people who have died and passed over from this, I really saw that they were like being welcomed in on like arms of like peaceful passing, really compassionate welcoming of them, almost like in slow motion, where all kinds of things were integrating for them. And it was like this really beneficial way of weaving their life into their bigger self or something like that. It wasn't at all a bad thing for those people. But I think there are different lessons that we'll get out of this, I want to say, experience that our inner self is our self, you know, and that it can come through and do stuff in the world, you know, (laughs) and, and make things physical. I don't know, Jenny, how is it for you? So similar to you, Penny, my theory on all this is that the intentions we all set for 2020 and this powerful new decade remain, but that the way we're going to get there is a 180 of whatever we thought. <laughs> right. So for yeah. me, I, th- I had said, okay, 2020 is the year pivots going to hit a tipping point. This is the year I want the book to like really start flying off the shelves. And maybe it's time for me to also be more center stage. I was behind the scenes a lot in 2019. And even as I shared that intention, part of me was wondering, is this, am I just attached to the book doing well? Or you don't want it to come from a place of ego, but similar to you, Penny, I felt this calling to really like step up. I paid for the airport placement. I paid to register for the TED conference. I was like ready to just act as if I was at that next level. And then everything got canceled. And my insight this week is how fascinating for the first time in nine years, I am not running around the planet, delivering keynotes, serving clients. So now all of a sudden I felt this vacuum opened up in my professional life and in my mind where instead of delivering services for other people and for clients, I'm putting all that energy into the podcast. And I can relate to what Steve said. My coping mechanism is definitely to serve for better and for worse, both. And yet I'm so refreshed to have ideas again. Like I'm so refreshed to just get on the mic and do a solo episode or think to bring Penny and think to bring Steven, think to try to contribute to a different side of this whole conversation while being as muddy and up to my elbows in it as everyone else. And so book sales have gone down, like it's TBD on whether the book will actually hit a 10 point, but everyone in the media, now I see the word pivot every day. Every day. 50 times a day. Medical professionals use it. The politicians are using it. The businesses are using it. So in a weird way, I'm like, well, pivot certainly went center stage, whether that will be attached to my own uh, business momentum or not, who knows? But wow, would you look at that? Like it's just... (laughs) It's sort of that thing of, you know, when you stop using your own power and willpower and thinking you're doing it and all this stuff clears out of you, then it starts happening by this greater intelligence. With the flow is kind of a coordinated consciousness of all the beings that need you to do something. So they give you an idea, then you do it and you give it to them. And then everything's like synchro mesh. And it's all ironic. 
it, mm. it's like you think the worst thing is happening, but it's really yeah. the best thing that's happening. You think it's all constricted. It's really expanded. You know, it's like, ah, I almost feel like this yeah. new courageous thing that's coming out. I always used to ask myself, well, what's my next courageous act after mm. I was kind of at a boring point and whatever I was doing. That wraps up part two of this Pivot Insider community call with Penny Pierce. Make sure you are subscribed to the Pivot Podcast so you don't miss an episode and you get the next part of this conversation. You can also subscribe to my Pivot List newsletter. I send that weekly-ish. It's my curated roundup of the best of the web. Whatever I'm watching, listening to, tools that I'm geeking out on, that's at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. And that way you'll also get notified every time I have a batch of new podcasts out. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice-monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always 